Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. And I had to, to really do that investigative work myself to figure out, well, what was the cause? What was the underlying reason that a relatively healthy 27-year-old would all of a sudden come down with two different big warning signs of cancer. And I remember those initial doctor's appointments and visits, you know, from the screening and when they initially found the cancer. And, and just, I remember continuing to ask that question of this can't just be coincidental, right? But to them, they were working in two different specialties. I was going to a dermatologist and I was going to a gynecologist They were not talking to one another. They were not sharing my notes. They were not, you know, doing any sort of cross-referencing. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, we're talking to Frankie Lee, and she's been working in some aspect of women's health for nearly 20 years, from community organizing to domestic violence advocacy, and now working with busy women to bring their health to the top of their priority list because so many people, and I see this especially with women, although men do it a lot too in a different way, they just don't prioritize their health as number one. Becoming a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner was a combination of Frankie's love of working in women's health and her own health crisis that hit in 2011. It was then that she realized that the body cannot be taken for granted. With two cancer scares in just one year, she decided to take her health into her own hands by showing up for herself every single day. One of the things I always say is, you know, this chronic disease stuff, it's scary. It is really scary. And especially when you're not in the functional world and you might not have that hope that it can be resolved, it's actually terrifying sometimes. And I have a family history of autoimmunity, have dealt with an autoimmune disease myself, so I'm not underplaying autoimmunity by any means. I definitely get it. But the cancer thing, man, it's scary. It has an extra level of scariness, I should say. It's something that instantly puts the person into a fight-or-flight response, and I think it's very easy to get caught up in all these different treatments that might not even have a ton of promise when it, you actually look at the literature on how they help, like something like chemotherapy. I'm not condemning anyone using chemotherapy. I get it, and if I was in a position of having cancer, I am sure that it's a lot easier to say what you would or wouldn't do when you don't have the diagnosis is what I'm getting at. But nonetheless, I mean, chemotherapy does not have that great of a success rate, and it causes a lot of damage to the body. So what's so cool about Frankie was her ability to just kind of move away from the fear and the anxiety that would come with these types of diagnoses or suggestions, because not um, both the scares weren't necessarily diagnoses, and actually look at this from a 30,000-foot view and figure out what do I need to do differently because it doesn't make sense that a woman in her late 20s is getting these cancer scares. So I learned a ton from this episode and it was really fun talking to her, especially someone that has just been working with women for so long. Um, I don't want to spoil anything. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right. And we are back with yet another video episode of the FDN Thrive podcast. Another brave stole stepping up to the plate, choosing the video option on our uh, application form. So thank you so much, Frankie, for being here and helping us get this message out to more people because we know people love the video aspect. So we appreciate you being here today. Absolutely, Evan. Thank you for having me. 
Cool. So I know you told me beforehand that you are a listener of the podcast, which we uh, really appreciate. So you kind of know my structure here. And I think it's a, a good structure because it allows for the uniqueness of the person to come out um, while still keeping you know, some set basis. So we're not just all over the place because God knows I will do that without a structure. Um, so we'll start off with the same question that I always start off with. And that's, tell us a little bit about your health story. Like when did your first health symptoms start and what did those look like? Whether that was as a kid or when you got into your adult years, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. So I think I'll start with, um, my symptoms that really started propping up probably in my teenage years, and they were a mixture of digestive issues, skin issues, anxiety. Um, but I really didn't recognize them as symptoms. You know, in that age, we're just kind of rolling through life. We don't necessarily know what should be or what shouldn't be going on. A lot of fatigue, a lot of just ups and downs emotionally and with my mood. Um, when I think back to those teenage years, but at the same time, you're looking at, you know, your peers around you, and a lot of people are going through the same thing. So it doesn't always really stand out to us as a symptom set at that time. Um, and then, you know, I kind of rolled through my 20s, you know, a, a relatively what I thought of leading a, a pretty healthy lifestyle and, you know, feeling feeling good enough, you know, not having too many major complaints. And I really hit a, a crossroads when I was 27. I got diagnosed with two different uh, cancer warnings within the same year. Um, one of them was melanoma. And one of them was the early stages of cervical cancer. And both of those happened literally within 10 months of one another. And I really got stopped right in my tracks. You know, I was... I was so excited about life at that time. I was so excited about everything, you know, in my in my career and what I was up to. And to get those, the big C word, like the big cancer word dropped on you um, when you're in your late 20s, it definitely was my big turning point. And um, in terms of how it led me to where I am today, it was really through saying, no, this is not going to be my reality. I really felt like I had to start doing my own investigation to understand what was tying these two seemingly unrelated forms of cancer, which is what the doctors kept on telling me. These are totally unrelated forms of cancer. And I had to, to really do that investigative work myself to figure out, well, what was the cause? What was the underlying reason that a uh, relatively healthy 27 year old would all of a sudden come down with two different big warning signs of cancer. And I remember those initial doctor's appointments and visits, you know, from the screening and when they initially found the cancer. And, and just, I remember continuing to ask that question of this can't just be coincidental, right? But to them, they were working in two different specialties. I was going to a dermatologist and I was going to a gynecologist. They were not talking to one another. They were not sharing my notes. They were not, you know, doing any sort of cross-referencing to tie these two different types of cancer together. And they were not giving me any insight on the why behind it. So that was really um, what started me on this journey towards function with functional medicine, functional nutrition, um, really finding out the why. 
I gotta ask, and I'm totally not editing this part out. Did the drum roll sound come through to you when you were talking right then? I did hear a little something. I was like, well, did something fall off the table? No, it was a drum roll. I, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I clicked the wrong button, and I, we're leaving this in. You know, this will be the blooper play. But um, yes, I would never use a drum roll when someone is explaining something like that. So I apologize. That's something that Zencaster offers. Um, anyway, so I, I love a few things that you hit on. One was this idea that especially when we're younger, you're not even thinking about, hey, this is maybe abnormal or something's wrong with this. And I think there's two aspects of that. Yes, one, when we're younger, you know, maybe that's just not our top priority in life. We're worried about the cute boy or the cute girl. But the other thing is too, I think the younger these things start, like for me, I started dealing with health symptoms at five years old. If you do not know anything else, you're going to think that that's normal, right? If you grew up in a tribe where a hundred people out of the hundred people that you know are all I'm just using a weird example, like 150 pounds overweight. You think that's how life's supposed to be, right? Um, so I think that's a really great point. And I love when people come on and speak to uh, that younger aspect because again, even right now, I mean, I'm 25 myself. I'm so passionate about people understanding that we got to catch this stuff early. And when a young adult or a kid is presenting this stuff, you have such a great opportunity to address it then because kids bounce back quick. You know, it is always better to get this stuff under control at eight years old than 80 years old. So um, the other thing that you said, and I, I have family that listens to this, so I hope that they, because this is a recent enough passing of my aunt that I hope they know that this comes from a good place. To me, it was insulting, the things that they told her about her cancer. Uh, she had been cancer-free her whole life. And then a few years back, diagnosed um, with a brain cancer. And then basically, you know, got that cured through chemotherapy and surgery and stuff that they claimed. And almost instantly after, I mean, I'm talking like very short period of time, was told that she had breast cancer and that they were completely unrelated. And I'm just like, because I'm not anti-Western medicine. We say that all the time on this podcast. I'm right. like, are you kidding me though? Like that, that, that's insulting. This woman is mm -hmm. almost 50 years old and you're telling her that she never had cancer throughout her life. And now these two things are unrelated. Um, that that's outrageous. You know, that's absolutely unbelievable to me. Um, and so again, family listening, I hope that it comes from a good place. I'm not condemning anything with, you know, our family member. It's the system that told her somehow that this is unrelated. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would love to hear why, how did you even get to the mindset of not accepting that? Because my aunt that passed away, one of the smartest people I ever met. And I don't just mean that as a compliment. I mean, like measured on paper IQ, one of the smartest people I've ever met. So how do you go at 27 and say, you know what, that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. What, what do you think allowed you to do that? Well, I think you use a perfect word. I think the word insulted or insulting is a really good way to spur a reaction, right? And I think that when I recognized that nobody was talking to one another, in, in my case, as far as these specialists, these practitioners, but also that because they were specialists in terms of being a dermatologist and a gynecologist, they were not asking me anything about my health history, right? They were so focused and in, in, in playing within their lane as far as what they were looking at, what was the data in front of them, that they weren't my primary care physician, they weren't, you know, someone who had been my family doctor my whole life. But and I recognized I was like, nobody's asking me those questions. Nobody's backing it up and saying, well, where did you come from? And how did you get here? And I think that that was a real key thing that I, I tuned into really quickly was 
if nobody's asking those questions, they're not going to get those answers. Right. And I knew that the, the, that the magic was going to be in the answers to those questions. Right. Like I just had this feeling that there, there was a rhyme and reason to this. And I just needed to find out what that was. Now, maybe I'm cheating with this one because I know already have knowledge that you listen to the podcast, but you surely have heard me say how often this comes up, right? You just described it perfectly. I had a feeling, I've heard intuition, a gut feeling. I just knew that this didn't add up. And the reason I keep honing in on this is because I want people to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, you know, go to your MD and if you've never studied this stuff at all, act like you know more. That's not what I'm suggesting. But in life, when things don't feel right or don't add up, at the very least, give yourself the benefit of getting a second or third opinion, for God's sake. I mean, we got to trust something in the world of common sense where it's like, you know, that doesn't add up. Because I've seen highly intelligent people never really ask that question. Or if they did, they were so afraid because we put these people in Western medicine, especially the doctors, at a very high status, you know? And Perhaps they should be, but they are not gods. I don't think they pretend that they're gods. So not the 95% of them, at least, right? We need to ask questions and we need to trust that intuition. So I give you a lot of props for doing that at all, let alone at 27. I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So since you had this idea in your head that, hey, this doesn't add up, I'm realizing that these specialists are not communicating and talking with each other at all. What do, uh, or what? I guess, what are some of the next steps for you? Like, what does that actually look like? Did you just say, screw it, I'm done with this completely? Or did you kind of mix Western and natural together? I'm, I'm curious what the next steps were. Well, I think I really started looking, um, there was a little bit of future looking through a lens and past looking through a, a new lens, right? So when I looked into my past, and I really started thinking about what were my symptoms? What had been my symptoms since childhood? What were the things that had become so normalized for me? What were the things that were always just kind of assumed as a child? Like, I always got colds. I always, you know, I had ear infections all the time. If I ever got even the whisper of like a runny nose, I would end up with a, you know, bronchitis or something, you know, deep in my respiratory tract, right? Like I started thinking about, well, maybe this idea that I had of myself of being this really healthy 27 year old wasn't actually a true reflection of what my history had been telling me, right? And so I think that there was a little bit of that just sitting, sitting with the diagnosis and really thinking about like, what, where, how did I get here, right? What has been going on? Um, I think also at that time, it was right, it was a few years after I had moved to Portland. And I was experiencing some really serious seasonal allergies which had um, set me in track to see a naturopath. And in Portland, if you've ever been here, you know that you can't like walk down the street without tripping over an acupuncturist, a naturopath, a, you know, somebody in the integrative health world. Um, they're literally on every corner here. Um, so I felt like because I had this connection with this naturopath, I had started having these conversations about you know, elimination dieting, inflammation in the body, you know, ways to really kind of suss out what could be causing these seasonal allergies that I was experiencing. And this was all kind of like tracking side by side in parallel as as the, the cancer diagnosis had unfolded. And so I felt like that was a really good 
lens for me to be using in terms of, wait a minute, I have a few tools that have been put, like a few seeds that have been planted, some things that have been put in my ear here. And let me dig into that a little bit more. And I think that one of my, my early mentors here in the Portland community is a woman named um, Andrea Nakayama, who is a functional nutritionist. And she, I, you know, kind of had found out about her through some seasonal cleanses that she offered in the area, had some friends that had done them. And I was like, you know, she seems like she's really got this food thing figured out in terms of how to use food as medicine and what kind of questions to be asking about that. And so kind of through following her, I actually, um, I think one of the most profound books I ever read or kind of life changers, game changers for me was reading Terry Wall's book. And it was something about the the gravity of Terry Wall's experience with multiple sclerosis that was and, and how serious it was that I was like, if she can do that with MS and turn her health around, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be scared of cancer for the rest of my life, right? Like, there's no way I'm going to let this just cancer boogeyman like be bubbling under the surface waiting for it to pop up again right so there was something about what I found the stories of functional medicine functional nutrition and these doctors that were really utilizing this information that I was like they're turning around massive things that are being told to people that they're totally irreversible and it was like the light bulbs just were going off for me you know they're just like you don't have to take this as the be all end all. You don't have to take this as the final answer. Wow. And that's so cool that um, Andrea was one of your first mentors. Like I, that's a name I've heard countless times in our space at this point. So, hey, just a little, you know, I'll put you on the spot here, but maybe a little plug to get her on the podcast. That'd be pretty cool. You know, I'm sure she has some awesome things to say. And this is the exact reason I am so grateful and so happy to be doing this for FDN. It's what you just said. You're hearing these stories and it's raising your belief that this is actually possible. That's that's all it was for me. I had this intuition. I had this thought. This doesn't make sense. Now, it was not a cancer thing. It was for other stuff, but I needed validation because it's one thing to have the thought. It's another thing to try to go do this alone. I mean, that's a pretty crazy endeavor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you hear these stories, that's why it's so powerful. So I love that you brought up um, Terry Walls as well. It, it, that's just really cool. What were some of the first things that, because I guess I want to be clear, obviously you're saying this is not a cancer diagnosis at the time, right? It is a pretty clear and straightforward warning though, that something's going wrong. Is that correct? Or I want to make sure I'm wording that right. Yeah. So the melanoma was for real. It was legit okay. cancer. Wow. Um, and then, um, and that was just like a total lucky find. And I'll do a plug here for doing skin checks because I had never done one in my life. And I was visiting my sister in North Carolina and she's a nurse. And it was during the summer, she saw me in a bathing suit and she saw this little tiny, literally like the size of a pinpoint um, on my shoulder. And she said, I don't, I just don't like the looks of that. And I said, Oh, what, you know, I have freckles. I have these marks all over me, you know, and I was like, okay. She's like, well, go, when you go home, go make a dermatologist appointment. And I did it just to, you know, satisfy her. And it was melanoma. It was advancing melanoma. And it was the color of it that was really what had stood out to her to look at the A, Bs and Cs of melanoma, right? We look at um, 
the color piece is a big part of it in terms of, is it the same color as all the other freckles, moles, things that you have on your body? Um, and so that was really, you know, kind of getting in there and, and getting into that initial appointment was was the the beginning of that the first that cancer diagnosis now with the the cervical cancer i was considered to be what was called cin2 which is you know you're on a, a gradient of cerv- you know moving towards cervical cancer with different types of types of cellular abnormal abnormalities and so cin2 is kind of your last bus stop before you get the cervical cancer diagnosis Wow. Okay. All right. So this is serious stuff. Um, I got to ask, and certainly this is not a, it's a genuine question and not a place of like condemnation because cancer is something to me that holds a different type of weight. You know, it scares the hell out of people and perhaps rightfully so. It's interesting that you brought up MS specifically because one of the examples I always use is I think that the reason you hear about autoimmunity so much in the functional space more than cancer, even though cancer is very prevalent, is because people are so scared by that term, again, understandably so, they jump right to whatever they need to do. There, there is no time to think normally. It's like, I'm going to take whatever Western medicine um, recommends and then they're in it. You know, At that point, you're on that path. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, like, were you utilizing any Western medicine with the melanoma stuff or did you go full out with the natural side? Well, so with the melanoma, it's, it's a removal, right? So you kind of get, you get told you have it and they schedule you for the surgery to go in. And, um, so that, and then they, you know, kind of check the borders. They make sure that they got it all. They make sure that's not going into your lymph nodes. Um, and, they hopefully remove it all in the first swoop. Um, and they did that with me, even though it had penetrated down so you know, several, I don't even know if they're millimeters, they're like something less than a millimeter that they're measuring. Um, but they were able to remove it all in one fell swoop. So that was, um, that was taken care of. And then it was just monitoring. I was monitored very closely, you know, every three to six months, skin scanned, um, you know, just to make sure. And there were several other marks or freckles, you know, things that were biopsied over. I have tons of little, you know, holes, pockets, little scars all over me from things that they, because I was so young, right. And, and because it was melanoma, it wasn't just a abnormal marking. Um, So with that, I really did go, you know, kind of the Western acute care, like got to take care of this, get it taken, you know, taken out, taken care of. But then it was the feeling of being covered in these freckles, you know, and being like, well, what if there's another one, right? Like you're just kind of left just in this observation mode of anything could, any one of them could turn that direction. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I think your response is really reasonable. And that's why I like asking those types of questions. You know, it, it's melanoma. That surgery is not going to kill you. You know, get rid of it. Like I'm all for, I'm all for that. You know, that's not medical advice, obviously, just to be clear. But I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me that we're not doing anything super risky. Let's get rid of that and then figure out what the heck's going on. But certainly, I mean, you know, it's not coming back, it sounds like. And that is a testament to the things that you were doing. Now, before we get into maybe some of the natural things that you actually started applying, I have to ask this almost just to start collecting some anecdotes here. 
were you someone that was out in the sun a lot? Because obviously the narrative that is normally pushed is melanoma and the like are things of the sun. Were you someone that was out in the sun a lot? Yeah. So uh, as a child, I grew up in South Carolina. I was um, grew up near the beach and on a river. So I had, as a child, been exposed to a lot of sun. Um, and I'm, you know, for those of you who are seeing the video, I'm a very like fair skinned person. Um, and so definitely, I, I think that that was an underlying cause, um, you know, for the early onset. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah. Just one thing to add into my bank because I've heard such mixed reviews with that, that I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to think. Yeah. Um, but this is one for the opposite side, you know, because I hear plenty of people, they're like office jobs and they get this type of thing. They're like, I never see the sun except on family vacation, but this is someone that was out in it a lot and got it at a younger age. Mm -hmm. When you are, you know, obviously using Andrea as a mentor and following all these things, like what were some of the first natural things that you actually started applying? Like, was it a dietary change? Are you loading up on supplements? Like, what did that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the first things, well, I think tools wise, um, you know, using kind of the, a matrix, uh, 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 an analysis of how the different systems of the body can be under different levels of stress and understanding how the integration of the systems of the body really works. I think that was out of the gate, a really big aha moment, right? That we don't, even though we're trained by Western medicine to put our put the dermatologist on one island and put the gynecologist on another island and the rheumatologist on another island, but to to recognize that there is a tie-in of all of these systems of the body and that they all influence one another in a huge way. Um, but the, the first thing that I really did as far as testing was I did a food intolerance test and I um, found out that I was highly allergic or highly sensitive, reactive to dairy products. And I that was like the biggest thing that I removed first. Second thing was gluten. So I did really go down the dietary pathway pretty um, full on in terms of trying to identify what exactly I was having a reaction to and what were things that could be just adding to inflammation in the body. A side benefit for me of getting off of dairy, um, not the gluten as much, but getting off of the dairy was that my allergies went away. I had, um, and those skin issues that I mentioned that I had had since my teenage years of eczema and just that kind of being itchy and sensitive skin, that went away. And I was like, I'm on the right track, right? Like you get these clues that you're working in the right direction. Things are starting to line up. You're starting to, you know, recognize like, oh, those like gut issues that I would just ignore or thought that it was just a normal ebb and flow. Those aren't there anymore, right? So you start to see over time that you you're you're moving in the right direction you're getting some results so those were some of the first things that i started to implement cool it's so validating when you get those first things because i'll be straight up i i took a while to find things like fdn um and i didn't really have any mentors with this i was using a lot of books a lot of online stuff so i was in like my own cycle of trial and error it was a little better than the normal one but it was kind of with the functional side however the simple changes I made in the beginning, like for me, it was just as simple as like going organic. I saw that this was working. I'm like, 
there's got to be more here. There is no way I know everything about this right now. So it's encouraging when you get those wins like that. You're like, all right, let's keep pushing. Let's keep researching and finding out. Um, and I got to I gotta ask, I want to rewind for a sec. You know, you're 27 when this happens. And this seems like this is really the first time you're diving into anything natural in depth. Is that correct? Well, I think I had a few things going for me. Um, you know, I, I had a father who would talk about, you know, from a very young age, you know, the body heals itself. And that was something, you know, that was just a, a part of the culture within my household. That was definitely something that was instilled in us from a very young age. You know, there was no, there was no need for medication. There was no need for Advil or, you know, even things like that. You know, it was like your, the body will, will do what it needs to do. It'll, it's doing its job. You know, that was always like a really strong, strong part of my childhood. And then when I was, you know, a few years before the cancer diagnosis, when I was about 23 or 24, I got um, kind of bit by the I, the bug, I call it, of falling in love with farming. And I had actually moved to Oregon in order to work on a small organic farm um, outside of Eugene. And and that was really, you know, I was eating 100% organic. I was really into all things, you know, small farming, small farmers movement here. And um, and so I had that, that mindset was already in place. That was already happening. And I, I, I kind of understood the importance of that on an environmental level, but also, you know, in a, in a diet, from a dietary standpoint and an environmental toxin standpoint. Well, Frankie, that's even more interesting that, I mean, yeah, you had a, a, certainly compared to the average person, a decent background in this stuff and, and we're still dealing with these problems. And that just shows that it is complicated. It's complex. It's not just hippie stuff because I think a lot of people in at least the mainstream write this off because, you know, they tried going gluten free. They didn't even do it right. And it didn't cure all their diseases. Okay, guys, it goes a little more in depth than that, believe it or not. You know, um, FDN alone is like, well over a hundred hours of course load just by itself, you know, not counting the uh, second and third level. Um, but my question actually I was going to get to was what your career was prior to getting into this type of stuff. Cause I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I know that's where you eventually got to. So were you just doing the organic farming up until 27 or did you have anything else going on? Yeah, I was working with small farms. Um, when I moved to Portland, I was doing uh, nonprofit work around um, access to food. I was I worked for um, the American Center for Sustainability. We did a, a project called the Plant Project, which was growing growing plant starts and delivering them to community gardens throughout the state. So I was really involved in food advocacy and, you know, getting local food into the diets of kids in schools, kids in communities, doing education work around that. So that, that was taking a lot of my focus, um, which I think really fed into that storyline that I had that you know, I'm doing all these things, right? I'm doing all this healthy stuff. I'm, I care about my food. I care about growing my food, right? I care about helping others grow their food. Um, you know, I think that was part of what was also so came as such a shock, right? Yeah, I give you a lot of props then too, because I could actually picture that almost being um, counterproductive because you're, I could very picture or easily picture someone being like, 
oh my gosh, I already tried all this stuff. It didn't work. I have cancer. That's it. Like there's nothing more I can do because you're living such a dramatically better life than the average person. Um, and on a side note, I've always wanted to do that. Uh, I signed up the one time and I just never found a farm to go to, but the woofing, like the oh, worldwide yeah. opportunities on organic farms or whatever it is. Um, one day, one day for sure. Do it. Yeah. Do it. It's, I've done it. It's one of the, the best experiences of my life. Very, I think it's just such a cool thing. You know, I mean, it's awesome that they even have that. So we'll drop that in the show notes. I'll leave a note to myself. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, okay. So how did this eventually lead to you finding FDN? Because yeah, it's one thing to, I mean, you're already doing so much in this space. You are kind of learning from Andrea. You're trying these different things. How does that lead to FDN eventually? Well, I I think through some of those early sprinklings of, you know, finding out about functional medicine, functional nutrition, I I took the the first kind of reasonable step and I went to nutrition school. I went to a, a two-year program here in Portland. Um, I was a in undergrad, I was a women's studies and social work major. Um, just as a side note, it kind of loops back around to the work that I'm doing now in a big way. But um, in terms of that first kind of educational step, um, you know, doing a, a nutrition certification seemed like a really smart thing for me to do. I continued into doing full body systems with Andrea Nakayama's program. And then um, I opened my my own practice. I was working in a wellness center here in Portland and, you know, just kind of get my feet on the ground. And I was working in conjunction with a an acupuncturist and a naturopath. Like I said, they're literally on every corner <laughs> in Portland. Um, so I, I got my foot in the door. Um, I was also had uh, in that timeline, I had become a, I was teaching yoga um, locally as well and in community centers and a couple of local studios. So I was really getting like my curiosity about the body was really deepening and deepening and deepening, right? Like from physical movement to breath work to meditation to this nutrition piece. You know, I feel like it was just there was a thread or like a picture that was being painted that sometimes when you're in it, you don't even realize that it's happening. Right. Um, but it was that curiosity about the body and how the body worked and and what what got people interested in their bodies and taking care of themselves. Right. Um, and and then I. I was only in that private practice for a, a little under a year and I got offered a job in a functional medicine clinic. So I worked closely with a functional medicine doctor for three years as her nutritionist. And I really got used to testing and using testing to get answers uh, for our patients. And we were working almost exclusively with the autoimmune community um, and chronic conditions, hormonal health, um, mostly women in our practice of about 450 patients. And I, I was immersed and I was in love with it. You know, I was just like, you, I, if I wanted a stool test, I could order it and have it done. If I wanted a food intolerance test for someone, I could order it and have it done. You know, I really got used to and wired as a nutritionist and using functional testing, um, kind of right out of the gate. And so fast forward a little bit to the spring of 2019. And I went, I decided to go back into private practice. And I was like, wait a minute, 
I gotta have the testing. I gotta, you know, there's no like how how do I practice as a nutritionist without the data, right? Without understanding what are these hidden stressors that are going on for people beneath these symptoms, beneath these conditions. And FDN was the the most absolutely the best fit and the best next step that I could do to get myself back in that position to practice nutrition the way that I feel it is best practiced, which is based in data in order to get results. Very, very cool. So what was, um, did you just like find this through searching stuff online or did you know a friend with FDN? Like what was the connection? I think it was online searching. I think it, I don't have a recollection of anybody else that I ever knew that was an FDNP. Um, but I just, through wanting to do further education and trying to figure out, like, how do I get access to this level of data for my clients? And, and it, it was, like I said, it was the perfect fit. Perfect. So when you were going through the course, I mean, whether or not, you know, you needed to at the time necessarily, I mean, you're going to be running some labs on yourself. Did you find anything unique on those labs that maybe was surprising to you? And you're like, wow, I didn't even know I had this or was dealing with this considering all the work I've done before. Or did you kind of skate through pretty easily since you were obviously in this space prior to that? Well, I actually think I learned um, from my FDN testing or my training testing that I did that my adrenals were shot. Um, And probably from working in a busy medical clinic for three years, that will do it to you. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and that was a big part of me going back into private practice was it was just, you know, trying to get better life work balance. And, um, and so in some ways it wasn't a shock, but in some ways seeing it on paper and, and really giving myself that pause button that I needed at that time. Um, it was so validating to see that. And, um, was there like, what was the work like after that? I mean, what did you change? Did you find that just changing the lifestyle was enough to kind of resolve that over time? Or did you do something specific for, uh, the adrenals? Yeah. So I think, you know, work-life balance, being able to, you know, be an FDN and, you know, set my own schedule, working my own private practice, deciding, you know, giving myself the time off when I needed it instead of, you know, seeing 14, 15 people in a day (laughs) that we were doing in the clinical practice. Um, I think that that was a big part of it. Um, I also really started to put my sleep on a pedestal. I think that that was a huge thing learning, you know, really focusing in on that in the FDN program, um, the importance of sleep, the importance of rest, um, and how that was something that I had always lightly been struggling with insomnia, especially as stress would rise, my insomnia would rise. Um, And so because of that, I think I, you know, I stopped drinking caffeine. I, you know, became much more guarded in my final hours of the day and in my whole sleep hygiene piece. And it absolutely turned things around. You know, it, it, it doesn't take much to, in some ways, if you give the, the adrenals what they're asking for, right, they really are such a resilient part of the body. Well, yes. And it's like your dad said, you know, the body heals, it wants to heal. And, you know, as fun as the labs are, and obviously, I mean, I love them. We use them with FDM Thrive. 
but it is really the core lifestyle stuff. More or less, the labs are just a customization of the lifestyle stuff, you know, like it really is that what it comes down to. And then the body just does its thing. I mean, it is magic what I've seen happen and especially getting to do interviews like this and even former podcasts that I've done. It's so cool to hear these healing stories because you understand that it is fundamentally human to be able to heal when given the right circumstances and environment, right? Um, okay, so you were obviously already interested and basically working for yourself at that time. So it's not like you made a huge transition into that. You kind of just added FDN, uh, FDN in, it sounds like. What year did you graduate? Do you remember? It was... Um... September of, of 2019. So it's, um, you know, not even been, it's a year and a half really since I've been out of the program. Right. All right. So, but you were doing your own thing solo for, I think you said 2016, right? So you were doing it for a few years before. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So who is your kind of, in your own words, like your ideal client that you take on into your practice? So I work with women just kind of like where I was when I was, um, you know, getting a, an early diagnosis, getting, feeling confused, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like well, what now? And, you know, not being women that are not getting the tools offered to them in terms of anything other than a medication or a surgery, right? So women who are struggling with chronic symptoms and chronic conditions that know there's something that they have that inner knowing that you keep point, you know, that you pointed to that, that know that there's something more that they can be doing, but they're just needing a partner in that, uh, as someone to walk down that path with them. I think that because I, I've been in virtual practice since I, since 2019, I never went back into brick and mortar, um, about, you know, 85% of my clients are women in other parts of the United States. So I like to think about what I do as kind of, you know, offering something that isn't available in a lot of the health deserts that are out there in the U.S., right? The small towns, the, you know, the mid-sized cities that maybe don't have integrative care practitioners. I think that we as FDNs are really able to thread a needle and provide those services to, to women that are, that kind of have maybe even a, a awareness or they've, they've heard a whisper of the integrative world, or they know because of the online world that there's more out there, there's more testing available. Um, those are, those are my ideal um, women to work with because they're ready, they're committed, they're determined, right. And they're just looking for the right person to, to go on that journey with. Well, you picked a heck of a year to start a virtual practice. So very good job there, you know, right before everything got a little crazy. So uh, that's awesome. And I always say like FDN, it was cool because since they've been doing the online thing for so long, it's like now this is cool. Everyone wants to do this. You know what I mean? So it's it's interesting that we had the uh, setup, thankfully, beforehand. And I love what you just said about bringing this to, I th think you said health deserts. I love that because yes, where I live even, it's a nice area. It is not Portland, Oregon. And I ended up, um, I know you and I haven't talked in this way before, but other listeners on the podcast might already know this. At 21 years old, I drove with one of my best friends from Pennsylvania 
out to California, San Diego, because in my mind, I knew the West Coast is where the hippies were. Now, I am not claiming FDNs to be hippies. I am just saying, like, in my head, I knew the natural thing was right. I equated that with being a hippie. I'm going to go find them and figure out this health stuff because no one can help me. I had kind of exhausted my local options. They were wonderful in many ways, but... It wasn't the stories that I was reading and hearing about. I'm like, there is something more out there for me and these people are not going to get me there. So I love that. Yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about online. I like being in person with people, but to be able to offer that to someone that just does not have those local options. I mean, that's that's incredible. And so, you know, obviously you've been working with people for longer than just this past year and a half. So you could really tell it at any time you want. I don't really care about that, but I'd love to hear some kind of client testimonial or maybe just an awesome story of healing that's happened with someone else. I think those are always fun to listen to. Absolutely. Um, You know, I think that recently I can just kind of pull from someone that I was working with this week and she's a, you know, a 68 year old woman who was diagnosed with celiac disease and over 20 years ago. So she's known that she's had an autoimmune condition um, for several, you know, for decades now at this point. Um, But she came to me because she was still having a lot of digestive issues, even though she had removed gluten from her diet and felt like she had the celiac disease piece of it kind of nailed. It was opening her eyes to looking at autoimmune disease in a different way, right? It's not just about the target that we get the diagnosis for. It's about autoimmune disease being a systemic disease that there is a, a, it has the ability to pop up and choose other targets, right? If we don't get the whole autoimmune condition calmed down. And I think that so often, you know, it's like A plus B equals C. Well, I'm celiac. I need to stop eating gluten. And therefore, all of my problems are going to go away. But it, without addressing the fact that autoimmune disease is, is systemic and it's not just the gluten that is the trigger, right? We're looking at nutrient deficiencies. We're looking at hormonal deficiencies or hormonal transitions as big triggers for autoimmune disease. We're looking at other gut dysbiosis, pathogens, intestinal health markers that may be off, right? We're looking at other food intolerances other than the gluten that may be causing um, issues in the immune reaction. So to, to open someone's eyes to, yes, you've gotten a big piece of this figured out, but there's this whole world of how to nurture the body, enhance the body, and and work with calming down these other potential triggers that can continue to cause issues. So in her case, you know, she had started to stumble into, you know, trying to figure out these digestive issues. She had started getting some blood workup done. You know, she had found out her cholesterol was a little high. So the doctor wanted to put her on statins. And then, you know, she goes to another doctor and, and realizes like, oh, well, maybe your thyroid is a little underfunctioning and wants to put her on, you know, something like Synthroid or a synthetic thyroid medication. And she's coming, she comes to me and she's like, I don't want to just be adding these medications to my life. I'm 68. I've done all this work. And, you know, I I know that there's more to this. Right. And um, so in working together, we've been able to get her thyroid regulated using, you know, a supplemental form of natural thyroid. We've been able to you know, work with her cholesterol from a dietary perspective and also 
recognize that we as women at that age need cholesterol to support the hormones that we do still have, right? So seeing how all these things are still really tied in together. Um, and I think it's just, it's never too late. You know, she's, she's 68 years old and she's like, I feel like I have a whole new lease on the next 20 years of my life, right? That I did not feel like I had being told by my doctors with all their good intentions that I just needed more medication. I love that. And you know what's interesting about that client testimonial is I don't know that we've ever, I mean, maybe the age just hasn't been disclosed, but being 68, that's that's interesting because we said in the very beginning, coincidentally, eight is a lot different than 80 in terms of healing. But it's so cool to know that the body wants to do the right thing at this Whatever age it is, it still wants to do the right thing. It just might be a little harder as we've kind of beaten it up over time. And I'm just so inspired because I'm obsessed with health and I've gotten past being in a diseased state. So some of my friends, especially being in my 20s, are, are curious, like, why? Like, what's the point now? You know I mean, like, why do you have to be so serious about this? Well, I'm interested in what I would call like functional longevity. I want to know how long can I do a pull up for? How long can I do a little quick sprint down the street or hike the mountain or whatever? And then we see people like, um, you had mentioned breath work before. I'm assuming you're familiar with like Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. Okay. This guy is 62 <laughs> years old, jumping off 20 foot cliffs into ice cold water that you can literally see the snow caps in it. So don't, we're not supposed to cap out at 50 years old or six years old. I don't even think 70. It's incredible what the human body can do when it's been taken care of. And most of these people that we're seeing, even someone like Wim Hof, I don't know that his diet's perfect. I don't know that he was ever going for the perfect body of health. He was trying to do this because of the passing of um, his wife and stuff, right? That, that's why he got into this. So what happens to people like us that are really into this and have a good balance and then apply it long-term? I think we're going to actually be seeing not only a huge discrepancy, unfortunately, because so many people in the world, especially America, are just living terribly, um, but a lot are living in this kind of way. Not, well, not enough, but a lot. There, there's a good amount of people like us out there. It's going to be really interesting to see what my 70 looks like um, one day or what your 70 looks like one day. Is that going to be you know, the death sentence? Are you going to be a few years away from meeting that life expectancy? Or like this woman, does she have 20 years of, of feeling good and um, just having a good life left. So I, I think that's, that's an interestingly powerful testimonial. So thank you for sharing that one. Mm-hmm. Um, as we only have a few minutes left in the podcast, you know, I got to ask two more things. One, where can people find you if they're interested in working with you? Because like you said, I mean, you're working all over the country, so people can hit you up anywhere. Yeah. So my website is radiate-wellness.com. So I am the founder of Radiate Wellness. I'm kind of a one-woman show. Um, I uh, I, I would love to see Radiate Wellness grow and bring on other nutritionists in the future. But for right now, um, I am the founder and the nutritionist on staff <laughs> uh, doing all the things, as many of us FDNs are. Um, and uh, I also run an online program. So a six-week online program called The Shift Academy, which you can also find on my website. And I actually have a session coming up starting June 30th. And registration closes on June 24th. So the Shift Academy is a hybrid model for a group coaching program. It's three coaching calls a week with a group of women that are experiencing chronic conditions, chronic symptoms. And also, 
getting one-to-one visits at the same time. So um, I offer two one-to-one sessions for anybody that's going through the Shift Academy. One is the onboarding session, very similar to what we you know go through and learning how to onboard our clients in the FDN way, um, getting their whole system analysis down, understanding what's stressing their systems out. And then a lab review, because in the Shift Academy, I also include the main five functional tests that I believe are imperative to understanding what the hidden stressors are. So everybody who goes through the Shift Academy is able to do all of the functional testing that they maybe have been searching for, or maybe they don't even know is out there, but really getting to that deeper investigative level. Awesome. And yeah, I just like, you just kind of hit the nail on the head. I didn't even know some of this stuff was out there, let alone did I have someone to interpret it and make an appropriate protocol based off that, right? That's a whole uh, separate thing. So wonderful. We'll make sure that is all in the show notes, of course. And my final question for you, my friend, which you probably already know what it is since you've listened before. Uh, But nonetheless, for those that are listening for the first time, I will ask it directly. If Frankie had a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally get them to do something or stop doing something, what's that one thing you'd get them to do? I would encourage systems of self-auditing, being more in tune with what's working for them and what is not working and listening to those signs and symptoms early on, right? I think our body has the, the ability to wave the, the red flag and say, hey, pay attention to me, often in our digestive system or in our hormonal imbalances. And it's, it's the tuning in, listening, trusting ourselves that, that our body is wise and intelligent and trying to communicate with us is one thing that I think we would all be in a, such a more advanced place in our health journey in a good way um, if we listened into those symptoms. And I think about that in my own story. I feel very fortunate right now to be able to be talking with you. I'm nine years cancer-free. I am on the other side of having those chronic symptoms that I kind of just brushed under the rug for so long. And to be able to, you know, just set a little seed in that direction for people to be able to tune in to what their bodies may be telling them. I think that would be my, my magic wand moment. How profound is that? The body has this ability to wave the red flags and let us know something is going wrong. I totally agree with this. We as a society, unintentionally, I think, have started to neglect these things symptoms that are occurring in so many people, the skin issues, the headaches, the digestive issues, the weight issues, and we've mistaken common for normal. Well, there is nothing normal about these things, despite how common they are, and they are indeed red flags of major things that could be coming down the road. And so we have an opportunity when we're dealing with the minor stuff, relatively minor stuff, to actually get these health issues under control. But what's amazing is it's clearly still possible, no matter how far we go down. Frankie just said nine years cancer-free. How amazing is that? I mean, it's so rare that you hear these types of things, especially in the world of Western medicine. Not many people have a lot of success with cancer. So I think it is just so cool to hear that she was able to heal from these things and how inspiring for other people. But it's not going to start unless you make the right decision and really start looking at your health from a different angle. 
And that's exactly what we're here to do at FDN Thrive. So if you are ready to stop being just someone who listens and to become someone who is going to engage in this type of stuff and then have your own health journey one day, or health story, I should say, right? Being able to look back on this and say, wow, that worked really well. I'm so glad I did that when I did. Then you know where to find us, www.fdnthrive.com. Click the Get Started Here button, and we'll get you hooked up with someone who can talk to you to figure out if our program's actually right for you. And the cool thing about our calls is that even if we are not the best fit to work for you, we don't leave you hanging. We absolutely make sure that you get to someone or something that can get you in the right direction that acts as that next stepping stone. We will never, ever get off a call with someone and just be like, okay, well, good luck. No, that's not how it works, right? Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you are listening that allows for reviews, we would love you even more than we already do. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, but until then, take care. I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's fdnthrive.com.